Why Catholic is made possible by generous patrons. If you're blessed by this podcast, consider supporting it by purchasing something from the Why Catholic merch shop on Etsy. Link is in the show notes. Original designs on sweatshirts, t-shirts, hats, decals, and more. Stay tuned to the end of this episode to hear how you can get a special discount. Thanks for supporting Why Catholic. I have a really good friend named Warren. Warren, like me, loves to ski, though I have to admit he's a much better skier than I am. Shortly after I got to know Warren when I lived back east, he invited me and my wife to his family's cabin in Colorado. He kept calling it a cabin, and so I assumed it would be this cozy little log cabin in the mountains. Nope. When we pulled up to the house, I said, uh, this is no cabin. I would call it somewhere between a chalet and a chateau. It was an enormous, beautiful home. It turns out that his dad was the CEO of a prominent company and their family was very wealthy and very generous for allowing me and my wife to stay there for a week. I use that example because it's a good language lesson. Warren had used the word cabin, but what he meant as a cabin and what I thought of as a cabin were two very different concepts. This is called getting lost in translation, and it happens all the time among people that speak different primary languages, or as was the case with me and Warren, speak the same language but have different backgrounds. What one person means by an expression is misinterpreted by the other, and this is particularly important to understand when we talk about the concept of praying to the saints. Hi, this is Justin Hibbert, and you're listening to Why Catholic, my podcast about the what and why of Catholicism. If you're new to this podcast, I spent 39 years in various Protestant circles. I was an apologist and a pastor, and at the age of 41, I came home to the Catholic Church. In episode 51, we started a new series on the phrase from the Nicene Creed, One Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. If you haven't listened to that episode or to episode 52 on the Communion of Saints, you may want to do that before listening to this episode. In the previous episode, I talked about how there is one church, one body of Christ, just as there is one God. And just like we believe in the Trinity, where God is made up of a community of three persons, the church is one body made up of a community of three parts, saints on earth, saints in purgatory, and saints in heaven. Just because we die doesn't mean we lose that relationship with other Christians or that our corporate work in edifying the church ceases to exist. Rather, it continues in a different way beyond this life. This brings us to a discussion on what that ministry or that work is. What do saints do in heaven? How do they maintain that relationship with Christians on earth? Catholics call one aspect of that relationship praying to the saints. Now, as a Protestant, I didn't understand the concept of praying to the saints. Praying was always aimed towards God. So the idea of praying to someone other than God seemed clearly like idolatry. I had a friend who had converted to Catholicism, and one day I asked him, what's the deal with praying to the saints? He said, do you ask people to pray for you? Of course, I answered. And when you ask someone to pray for you, he said, do you usually ask someone who has a good relationship with God or just any random person? Well, I usually ask someone that I know will actually pray for me, I replied. He asked me another question. Do you believe we go to heaven when we die, or do you believe that the soul sleeps waiting for the resurrection? I said, I believe we go to heaven when we die. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. Well, this is why we pray to the saints, he explained. We're asking them to pray for us because they're in heaven in closest proximity to God. Oh, I said, that makes a lot of sense. It was way different than I had originally interpreted the phrase praying to the saints. 
Like the word cabin with me and Warren, we had two very different ideas of what praying to the saints meant. Praying to the saints didn't mean that Catholics were praying to them like we pray to God, but rather that Christians on earth were asking Christians in heaven to pray for them or to intercede on their behalf. Sometimes you'll hear a Catholic or Orthodox Christian say, Saint so-and-so, pray for us. This is praying to the saints. A common Protestant objection is that these people are dead and they can't hear you. To many, they see praying to the saints as a form of necromancy, which is forbidden in the Bible. Necromancy, by the way, is the business of mediums conjuring up the spirit of someone who has died. First, I think it's innately human to talk to our dead loved ones. How often do you see people at a gravesite talking to someone who is six feet under? Or often at a funeral, a person might switch from eulogizing a loved one to actually talking to them. I love you. I miss you. I can't wait to see you again. That sort of thing. On social media, after someone's death, loved ones will often post notes to the deceased as though they can read it. Most humans find it cathartic to talk to the deceased because there's something innately human about it. When my friend Jenny died last year, one of her cousins, who happens to be a Baptist pastor, posted on Facebook, Jenny, say hi to Jesus for me. That is praying to the saints. Secondly, we need to discuss the notion of death. When we die, our body no longer continues to self-produce energy here on earth. Our brain waves, our muscles, our blood flow all cease. But while our physical body dies, our spiritual body remains very much alive. In fact, scripture teaches us that we don't become less alive when we die, but we actually become more alive. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, as I mentioned before, Paul says, quote, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, end quote. In Philippians 1.21, he says, quote, to live is Christ and to die is gain, end quote. In death, we don't become less alive, we become more alive. Thus, as we talked about in the last episode, we shouldn't assume that our spiritual gifts disappear as though they were only useful on earth. No, the master says, quote, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness, end quote. Thus to suggest that there can't be communion between Christians in this life and Christians in the next because Christians in heaven are quote unquote dead is a terribly unbiblical concept. If anything, those in heaven are much more alive than those on earth. Therefore, if anything, we should not consider that their faculties have ceased, but rather they have become perfected and even more productive. So what's the work that saints do in heaven? One answer that we know of is intercession. They petition God on our behalf. In fact, we see this in Revelation 5.8, quote, And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp, and with golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, end quote. Here we see saints in heaven literally carrying the prayers of the saints on earth to the throne of God. The idea of praying to the saints comes from the notion of the communion of saints. Death doesn't divide that communion. Our relationship looks different, but there continues to be a communion of the saints. As the writer of Hebrews puts it in Hebrews 12.1, we are surrounded by those that have gone to heaven. Thus, if we remain in communion, then we should expect to have communication and community. We don't know exactly how this works. Do the saints in heaven actually hear me when I say pray for me? I don't know. Do they have some sort of supernatural intuition to know when I've asked for their help? Maybe. Can they physically see me? Who knows? 
But it seems odd to think that we are told to pray without ceasing, to constantly be praying for each other, only to die and never do it again. It seems that if prayer is such an important part of the life of a Christian, then why would it cease to be important when we go to heaven and enter into the presence of God? If anything, that seems like the time where we would most want to be petitioning God for those we care about. Take, for example, the concept of Santa Claus. A child makes a list of things they want for Christmas. When they see Santa, what do they do? Do they say, well, now that I'm with Santa, I don't need to ask for these things? No, that's the time when they ask him because they're in his very presence. I think we should expect the same for the Christians in heaven. I spend a lot of time on earth praying for my wife and kids. Do you think I would stop doing that just because I went to heaven? No, I'd be nagging Jesus. Hey, Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful to be here. By the way, you know my wife down there? You know my kids down there? Could you do me a huge favor? It seems silly to think that what we care about, the importance of prayer, and the charisms or spiritual gifts that God has given us just disappear when we die. I'd like to suggest to you that what we care about, the importance of prayer, and our charisms become more alive in heaven, and we approach them with the strength, dedication, and selflessness that we are not capable of on earth. In the last episode, I shared about my friend Paul who recently died. If Paul was a disciplined fighter on earth, I can only imagine what kind of warrior he will be in heaven. In Catholicism, we use the word saint as a designation for someone we believe is in heaven. Though the church has identified a number of individuals, it certainly does not claim to know all the saints that are in heaven. There's this official process called canonization, which is a topic for another day, where the church nominates and eventually the Pope confirms and declares that the individual has exited purgatory and entered paradise. The church calls these people saints, though really saints applies to Christians on earth, Christians in purgatory, and Christians in heaven. One of the requirements to become a saint is that there has to be two miracles attributed to the person. This is something I always misunderstood. I thought that the miracles had to be done during their lifetime. No, the miracles have to occur after their death and after the time they are entered into this process of canonization. Why? The answer is that if we ask for this person's intercession and the miracle occurs, then we can safely assume that this individual is in the presence of God interceding on our behalf. So right now, there are a number of individuals in the process of canonization. Two prominent ones are the Venerable Fulton Sheen and Blessed Carlos Cudis. By the way, Venerable and Blessed are terms given to the nominee to distinguish where they are in the process of canonization. Again, we'll dive into this in much greater detail at a later time. But because these two are in that process of canonization, the church invites its people to pray and ask for their intercession. For example, Venerable Fulton Sheen, Please pray for me that God would cure this ailment. And if that ailment were cured, I would let the church know. They would investigate. And if it's determined that my ailment was cured miraculously with the help of the proposed saint, then that would be considered one of the required miracles for the process of canonization. The point is this. Our spiritual gifts and our purpose of prayer does not stop when we die, but rather continues on in the presence of God. This brings us to another idea that's prominent in Catholic culture, 
the idea of patron saints. A patron saint is, in a sense, acknowledging both the communion of saints and a saint's particular charism. For example, as I highlighted in episode 50, my confirmation saint is the second century apologist Justin the Martyr. I chose him because his writings helped me understand the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. He's considered the patron saint of apologists because Justin was one of the first Christian apologists after the apostles. Other examples include St. Cecilia, a musician who was martyred. She is the patron saint of musicians. St. Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples who was a fisherman, is the patron saint of fishermen. St. Joseph, Jesus' father, is the patron saint of carpenters. As part of that culture of patron saints, it's common for Catholics to ask a specific saint for intercession, depending on the need. For example, if one's pet is sick, they may ask St. Francis, the patron saint of animals, for his intercession. If one is struggling as a parent, they may ask the Blessed Virgin Mary or St. Joseph for intercession, since they are the model parents in Christianity. What I love so much about this concept is that God uses his people to do his work. Why? Man, I don't know. But God invests his kingdom in us imperfect vessels, and when we die, he continues to use us. I can attest to this. Justin Martyr's 1,872-year-old writings helped convince me of the Eucharist, and he helped lead me into the Catholic faith. This is the generosity of God. Whatever effort we give him, he just has a way of amplifying it over and over again, even when we're no longer on earth. One of the reasons I've chosen to do this podcast is because I want this to be my legacy. People make investments that they then pass to their children and grandchildren and so on. This is mine. I know that God will amplify whatever I can offer. I may not see the fruits of my labor in this lifetime, but I'm certain God will use it to his glory even when I'm no longer a citizen of earth. This series that we started in episode 51 is based on the statement in the Nicene Creed, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. The word Catholic means universal. And that doesn't just mean that the Catholic church spans across national borders and continents, but also through time. The universal church means that the church is made up of the faithful across all time and all space. We are all one church, and God uses his followers to edify his church, whether we are on earth or in heaven. Thank you for joining me for Why Catholic. Be sure to subscribe to Why Catholic wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to my Substack site and get the next episode in your email inbox. As a subscriber, you get a special discount code to the Why Catholic Etsy store. If you've been blessed by this podcast and you're feeling generous, there's also a way to financially support it and patrons get some extra perks. To become a free subscriber or a patron, just go to whycatholic.substack.com slash subscribe. Also join me on Instagram at whycatholicpodcast, all one word. Thanks again for listening. My name is Justin Hibbard, and this is Why Catholic. God bless you.